Johnny, that's better than most. That is better than most. Better than most! The return to glory. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> What's up, man? I woke up five minutes ago. 30 seconds. I'm checking at this restaurant. Oh, cool, cool. Take your time, man. All right. What's up, man? Oh, you know, just chilling. Living the dream. Yeah? Yeah. What about you? Right on. Um, I'm living the dream, too. I'm in Pebble (laughs) Beach. That's awesome. Have you played Pebble yet? Yeah, I played it yesterday, or uh, two days ago, and I'm playing it this morning, too. Where did you play yesterday? Spanish Bay. Oh, nice. How do you like it? Yeah, man. Dude, Spanish Bay was even, like, pretty as well, man. Oh, my God. Like, I am so, so in awe, and I'm, like, fanboying sometimes while I'm out here just because it's Pebble Beach, dude. It's, it's amazing. It's just unlike anything I've been to. How's the weather? It was uh, pretty good the last few days, and I think it's going to be all right today. It was a little, like, foggy. Uh, We had, like, the marine layer that's notorious for this time of year kind of come out for the first time on our stay. So it would, like, be one one hole in the next, like, whether we, like, go a distance or the fog. Like, it would be, like, almost clear as day. So... Damn. Not too cold, though? No, dude, it's great. I mean, it's been 55 to 65 and sunny most every day. Nice. Um, I'm about to drop another bomb on you, but (laughs) my dad and two other um, friends from Cloverneck played Cypress Point on Sunday. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, I was I was able to walk it with them. I didn't oh, play, can, but you couldn't play. No, because um, it was the weekend, and so members aren't allowed to bring unaccompanied guests on the weekends. They only can only bring a group for themselves unless like approved. So like the Navy team was out there, but I think like their host was. Um, in contact communication with a few other members to host them as well. Wow. So, so sick. Dude, Cypress was the most breathtaking golf course I've ever seen. It was just, just, if you're a golf course fan and like you love architecture and just overall landscape of it, like it is by far like the most eloquently thought out and planned out course that I've seen. Damn, that's so yeah. sick. Hey, how's that volume, by the way, with the background noise? Uh, I can hear some people, but it's not too bad. Okay, cool. Just what were you thinking? Oh, I was going to maybe move over to the corner table, but these guys behind me are a little loud. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, def- I can definitely hear those guys. Yeah, okay, well, let me see if I can move a table. But, um... um yeah. Anyways, Pebble's been amazing. Cypress. Yeah, man. I mean, that's like 
<laughs> that's literally a golf dream to go to Cyprus and Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. Are you just up there with your family? So it's just me and my dad and a few other guys that wanted to knock this trip off their bucket list from Cincinnati. Um, oh, wow. So all in all, 16 of us. Oh, so shit. Four, it's a big group. Four groups. Yeah. So um, this guy who owns a bar near Clovermont on Clovermont Avenue, uh, it's called Time Out Sports Bar. Uh, they made this trip after their pops passed away a couple years ago. And um, they're like, yeah, we're not going to miss this. Like, we're going to do this with dad. And like, we're going to take him there and like bury some of his ashes and um, like some of his trinkets from when he was alive there. And um, so they planned it out. And then in four, one group turned to four, uh, two turned to three, turned to four. So. Damn. And um, I was asked two weeks ago while I was at the G Pro Tour event in Daytona by my dad if I wanted to go. He's like, "Yeah, man, like I owe you a, I owe you a graduation present, anyways." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I graduated high school twelve years ago and college eight years ago in May." So, <laughs> dude, that makes you feel so fucking old. Yeah, but dude, like I'm so happy I went on this trip with him and all these other guys like I don't even know 10 of them I knew the four that I met up with when I flew into San Fran on Saturday it was so my dad um, two other Cloverneck members and then um, his my dad's best man at his wedding that I've known forever Danny Jones so he'd been like they'd been like golf teammates partners and like the Oldsmobile scramble that they used to play when that was going on down in Disney and all that stuff so it was uh it's been really fun that's awesome man yeah I'll uh definitely tell you more about it once this coffee kicks in but <laughs> yeah what do we got to talk about today let's see what did I write down and what did you write down uh, I was just going to talk about, like, the players and um, just different practice routines. When I know we kind of touched on it, but, like, practice routines when you're not playing anything for a minute. Like, I'm about to – I'm about to, like, this weekend I'm going to be out of town for three days, and then I go to Miami for, like, four days. But I might bring my clubs. I might not. And then right after that, I go to Costa Rica for a week. So it's like – Trying to Are figure you out how not playing either of those places? No, I'm going well, to a wedding. I'm, Miami. I'm going to a wedding in Costa Rica. Uh, Miami. Uh, Miami Music Week, so I'm going with my girl down there. And then this weekend, I'm going to Denver, then Vegas for for like her stuff. She has a show in Denver. And then we're going to some like NFT festival in Vegas. I don't even know. Is what it in it the is. metaverse? <laughs> no, it's in real life. I I don't know what it is. Gotcha. Like, I was like, I'm down to go to down to go to Denver, Vegas, Miami, and Costa Rica all in two weeks. So I'm just like kind of going out practicing and like, I don't really like. I'm not really like working on anything in my swing, but I'm just kind of keeping everything solid. So, I don't know. It's just, like, one of those things, like, do I grind on putting for two hours or do I grind on chipping for however long? So, we've just kind of been in that 
Yeah, but, um, I totally get that, bro. Um, especially because I haven't played my best golf here, just mostly because it is a little bit of rust for me. Like that round of pebble I played, like I didn't play Cyprus. I I hit one shot or I hit a handful of shots out there and I finished one hole. I birdied 15. So that's my claim to fame. I'm one under through one at Cyprus. <laughs> um, starting on the 15th hole, which uh, is a good hole to start on for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got off to a pretty poor start at Pebble. I mean, I know it's just a fun round and I still want to play my best though, obviously. But I mean, I had an abyss. I think I was like, six over through five and then i got my head to shit together um but it was just all me knocking off rust and like kind of fanboying at the same time like i was just in such awe like even from like the first tee you're just like man this place is so cool even though you don't even have an ocean view until um well you get some on number two for sure but it's not like right up in your face but pretty much you can see the ocean almost everywhere on pebble beach yeah um but circling back to the kind of taking some time off and like finding practice when you can, like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we've talked about in the past was like off season shit, basically trying to keep the pencil sharp whenever you can, like doing some Billy Williamson stuff where like you won't, you go practice for 20 minutes and um, you hit the, you hit the office again, practice your putting go back to work or go work on your game for an hour and then um maybe that's all the all the time you have because you're too busy with your day unfortunately yeah. life does get in the way of other things so yeah it's but it's like balance well, that work life or you just gotta have a good work-life balance you know another thing yeah. we kind of discussed and test it's it's one of those things where uh like it's like two weeks of just like not really touching the club, and when you're not changing anything in your in your game, like it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of tougher because when you're going through changes, it's kind of nice to to break up your practice or or to have some time to like really let it kind of sink in. But when you're just trying to refine and uh, like maybe work on mental parts, like that's what I've been trying to do is just focus on my thinking and make sure my thinking is correct. And because I'm not, because again, again, I'm not changing anything physically. So it's, um, it's a tough balance. And especially for me, like I'm always grinding and I'm always like practicing. So like taking this time off is, you know, tougher than the most, even though I'm doing some cool stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a habit to break good or bad. It's a habit to break, you know? So, um, funny, I actually had a, talk with the guy who hosted us in Cyprus about this because I told him about all the stuff that I was doing on the side of my golf and he's like wow like I really like that you're diversified he's like yeah and a lot of times like I can't step onto a golf course and so I just gotta be present and aware of the the moment at hand and whatever I'm doing just do it to the best of my ability and enjoy it while I'm doing it and a lot of fulfillment in that personally and once again just because it's not swinging a golf club or trying to make a putt whether it is you're thinking about it or and visualizing it 
or just doing something completely different, as long as you're doing it to the best of, the best of your abilities, I feel like that is adequate and also beneficial. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess this kind of can go right into something you wrote down with like your go-to shot. Um, like something I kind of like been trying to figure out like what ball flight, <clears throat> a ball flight or shot that I kind of designate to. And in high school, I was a big drawer of the ball, and and then like the older I've gotten, the more I've moved towards a fade. And like the for me, it's very simple to hit a fade. And so it's a lot easier. And like all I've been doing right now is just like hitting fades and and I've been like looking up looking up different players who just play one ball fight and like Dustin Johnson said that in like twenty twenty nineteen or twenty twenty he didn't try to hit one draw the whole year and then Bryson DeChambeau, I'm not a big fan of him, but he always says he only tries to draw the ball every time unless he absolutely has to fade it. So it's kind of nice getting, like, that reassurance from especially some tour guys that you're doing the right thing, you're on the right path. But when you have that go-to shot or when you have that um, consistent ball flight or you're playing the same ball flight, it's a little easier to knock rust off. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not, definitely. You're not moving the plane all over the place. For sure. I agree with you there. That's what I've been trying to do for the most part while I've been out here is just hit cuts. And there's a few times where I've had to divert away from that to kind of keep it away from the wind if I want to like hit something low in there, like more penetrating. So a draw obviously has less spin. Mm -hmm. So that's going to help cut through the wind a little bit better. Uh, In most cases, a draw has less spin. Um, But yeah, I once again, it comes down to like your time management. Like, even for them, there's not enough hours in the day to practice everything. You can only practice one thing at a time. And if you're going to stick on that and kind of grind out something and try to master it or perfect it, you might spend a little bit more time on it. So that means you're going to have to take away from some other area uh, of your life or golf game, you know? Uh, so whether it's your short game, your, your long your long irons or tee shots, whatever it is, like if your go-to shot is uh, is definitely crucial. And I've been thinking about this the last – really on and off the last year with basketball players too because I never realized that – and it makes sense because when you see their practice, they're shooting from one spot a lot of times. But I never noticed that they – really did work on like certain spots and shots that hit. So they're not. Yeah. You've never heard of uh never heard of guys saying like, get to your spot. I mean, I, I heard that, but I, I it didn't really resonate with me. So like Clay Thompson loves to be in the corner for that three. And so do a bunch of other guys, like that is a shot that they can relate because they have a barrier, something like um, out of bounds stake with obviously less penalty in basketball. Um, it's a backboard instead. But, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a focal point, again. It's something that they can kind of um, just lean back on and hit a shot. Yeah, it's like, so, uh, it's like Kobe when he goes down to the baseline. He hits that 
mid-range turnaround. Um, you got guys like Tim Duncan, you know, yeah. tries to get to, get to the key and yeah. hit that, hit a bank it off the backboard. And <laughs> it's you your guys, fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just that, how it is. I mean, there's a, there was a time I was hitting the ball so well that like, I just like an ideal tee shot for me, we'd be down the right side of the fairway because it's easier for me to fade for me to fade it from the right side of the fairway. Does that make sense? So yeah, you have so I can, if I hit it down the middle, like I was obviously like cool with that, but like my ideal shot was down the right side, and you know it just makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. And I don't know, it's you just you just pick your spots, especially when you're hot. Like like obviously when when things are off, you uh, just will take anything you get, but. <laughs> Yeah, um, but another good example though is is like having a good wedge distance. Like if ninety five yards is your oh hundred percent, hundred percent, try to lay up to that. And so that's kind of what I've been thinking of. Once it, and then again, like if one fifty is working for you that week, or at the time, and like your nine iron from one fifty is like money and like fucking radar, why not lay up to one fifty? You know. Let me ask you this: Have you ever used the clock system for wedges? Yes, and I like it. I modified it to my own kind of thing. Sonny and I, um, as you should, did this. And so, like, instead of like seven, seven, eight, nine o'clock, and then finishing on the other side at seven, eight, nine o'clock, or um, three, four o'clock, five, two o'clock, whatever you want to call it. Instead of that, like, I just call it shoulder to shoulder or torso to torso. Or no, it's great. Hip yeah. height, hip to hip. And so See, that's I, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good way to think of it. But like for me, I only go to like nine o'clock and ten thirty, and then I kind of gauge it off of that. Like I have like fifty eight degree. I have two yardages. It's like seventy yards and ninety yards, and then like fifty four. I have like eighty yards and one hundred and ten yards, mm-hmm. and then fifty. I have ninety yards and one hundred thirty yards between like the nine at nine o'clock and 10 30 swing and then anything in between those i kind of just like gauge like how hard i need to hit it right and uh but like my thing is i have i have six yardages from 130 yards and in that i can lay up to so my uh, i mean like, I just think, like, you, you're saying you have a go-to yardage with a wedge, especially in part fives, like, you lay up to your number. But when you have six yardages, it leaves you a little bit more room for error. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, so I'm totally. A, I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in that. Like, I was a big feel wedge player, and I just kind of noticed I was a little inconsistent from here, like, here and there. And, uh, but once I like went to, I, I it took me one, <clears throat> one rain session to, to get it on a, on a launch monitor. I use, I went to Sam, Sammy's, uh, studio and I was just like, yeah, I just want to use your, your, uh, what do you have? The GC quad or something like that or the fourth, foresight. I don't know what they're called anyway. And I just kind of gauged it one day and I wrote them down and now Anytime I'm in a tournament, I have it written down in my bag. And it's just like, you know, it's a nice reassurance. And it's one of the better parts of my game. 
Yeah, I got you, man. Uh, I feel you, definitely. But I will say from personal experience, like, I have felt just because I am more of a field player and I have like shoulder to shoulder in my head, I said at nine o'clock and 1030. Well, it's the same and, thing, but just different. Yes. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, definitely. But my, I mean, probably because I haven't practiced my wedges much the last couple months in all honesty, but the, it will vary. So my shoulder to shoulder might be 100 one day. And then the next day it might be one Oh five. Um, but that comes with once again having to be on your shit and yeah, you just refine it. Be calibrated. So having either the knowledge to know that all right today that's one oh five, not a hundred, like I'm gonna swing this one. I'm swinging at one oh five today. So my swing speed might be a little quicker, I'm making better contact with the golf ball, whatever it is. Um that's what it is for the day. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Definitely on the shots having a go-to shot even with a whether it's a wedge or a ball flight um even like a cutoff shot or a punch shot of sorts like a choke a choke all the way down to the bottom of the grip and hit like a low bullet with your driver three wood off the tee kind of shot like daniel does and how he had taught me that so that's another shot i like to pull off the tee um Especially with uh, driver, I'm Just all about of... choking up on the driver. I do. I probably choke up more, mm-hmm. more on the driver than I do when it's just like a regular grip, you know. Totally, just... choking up as well. Gonna get a little mechanical here. Choking up helps you with the butt of the club, where the where it's pointing. So. To me, when I'm swinging my best is when the club is connected to my arms and then the body is all in sync and that putt, butt mm-hmm. is pointed at my belly button until I get my hands above my hips. Usually, or about that. And that's when nice. I begin to kind of like load up, turn, set my swing. And once again, once I take it down through my sw- through swing, once it gets to my hips again, it might the butt of the club is going to be pointing towards the target this time a little bit more. But eventually, once I'm at impact, it's going to be facing my belly button again. And yeah. you want to, and uh, once again, you want to maintain that through your swing to the other side. Once you get your hands above hip height, then it can break again. Anyways, getting technical and mechanical, but no, I mean, I'll, it's true. I'll practice you... that. If you and, choke up, you have more control just because mm-hmm. the club's lighter and you're closer to the ball. I mean, I, I hit more choke-up shots than I do full shots. Like, when I when my warm-up range session is I'll do maybe one or two drills just to, you know, feel everything, like, see how everything's feeling. And then hit some wedges. Then I honestly just hit knockdown irons, like nine iron, six iron, or five iron, or eight iron, five iron. Uh, then I get to my driver and I hit it like I just choke up hit drivers and then like once I'm fully warmed up then I'll start hitting like full full shots but I don't I can't say the last time I just hit like a full stock seven iron like I, it's just really rare that you hit these like stock shots you know what I'm saying like if I'm 
if I'm 190 out, and let's say the greens, let's just say the greens in the center. There's like nothing I feel like carry over it. There's a little. Say there's a little breeze right to left. Like, I'll probably hit a choke down six iron instead of a full seven. Just because, like, you just have a little bit more control. Yeah. Even though seven seven iron goes 190, 195. It's just like, I'd rather just kind of ease something up there than try to, you know, hit something hard or hit something full. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I never, I kind of do this. I have the same attitude with, like, wedges. If, if I have to hit a wedge hard, I'm not going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna club up. Like if I'm, if I'm 135 and I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna hit a hard 50 degree, I'm gonna hit a pitching wedge because every every time I try to hit a hard wedge after, I'm like, how many times have you told yourself not to hit this wedge full? Or it, hit this wedge a, it doesn't usually end well. It's it's a higher risk shot because you have a tendency to spin more if you do swing harder. Mm-hmm. You're going to put more spin on the ball, and therefore it's not going to go as far, or it's going to go that distance and suck back, you know, Yeah. more often than not. Um, so I get you. And I'll be honest with you, whenever I do hit those, like, 150-yard pitching wedges, if I do hit them well, then either, one, I take it, literally just past my shoulder so i don't make a full swing mm-hmm. and two i don't usually do it but um, circling back around to what you said a few moments ago when i was um, hanging out with my cousin brett when he was living down in jupiter we we got to talking about this once and he's like i never hit a full shot if there's wind unless i'm downwind so yeah. if he's got a crosswind or if the wind's in his face he's taking something off usually no i mean that's like the best advice you can give somebody like you don't like i don't know like i said man i haven't hit i'm trying to think of the last shot that i just hit um where i didn't choke up and it was just like a stock whatever like i can't i can't think of one maybe a driver but like i mean obviously a driver but like people who just you know it's it's true when people say just don't rake and hit seven irons or don't rake and hit nine irons because it's really rare that you get that especially mm-hmm. if you play at our level you, you're never i mean i hit guys just hit see guys just hit knockdowns all day and you don't you don't need that like you don't well need- cam smith is the perfect example in the players his shot on 17 the final round was very well executed. I, I remember looking at the apex on the highlights on the shot tracer for that shot in particular, and I don't think it got more than 80 feet, and that's pretty low in today's golf age. Like, a lot of times, dudes are putting the golf ball 95 to 100 feet up in the air with any club, you know? Yeah, but also that hole is not very long. It's like a, it's a 140 shot. Didn't he hit eight iron, though? Did he? I'm pretty sure he hit eight iron, like a punch eight iron, and everyone else is hitting like nine iron and pitching wedge, and he stuck that shit. And oh, that's then, awesome. They were talking on um, the post game coverage, from the players, when he hit that shot, like that was the shot you had to hit on that hole in order to stop it where he wanted to, like have it just 
hit and stop, roll out. Well, he's lucky he could hit that eight iron because it's so wet. You know, like if it was playing normal, he wasn't hitting that fucking eight iron. He was, (laughs) that thing wasn't holding the green. No, you have you ever played Sawgrass? That's him knowing his golf game. Oh, yeah, I've played Sawgrass before. Yeah. How Um, How do you like it? It's all right. Like, I think it's a great golf course, but it's it's up there with, like, test and challenge. And the stage, once again, is iconic. I don't think it's the hardest golf course unless there's certain elements involved, whether the rough is up, conditions mm-hmm. are firm, or the wind's up, or they had something like this this week. Even then, like, guys finished 13 under par. It may have been like the wave that they got because the two uh, waves, the difference between the morning wave and the afternoon waves on Thursday, Friday, well, into Saturday and even Sunday, um, they, I forget which one it was, but they got like that whole half got unlucky and like most of the yeah. guys missed the cut. So it was Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And that wind was freaking howling, man. It's Florida uh, wind. Yeah, it is. Florida it's that winter Florida wind that they mm-hmm. still have and I don't understand why the they play so early. I think yeah. just because of that. They they wanna see like a a different kind of golf tournament year by year. And they know that Florida is still gonna be halfway decent weather. The worst they're gonna get is what they had this week, you know. Yeah, I guess. Uh but anyways I want to go back to that shot that Cam Smith hit. So he hit that eight iron, punch eight iron, punch nine iron, whatever he hit. It was low controlled, controlled spin and controlled distance. Paul Casey hit one club less in that grouping. And he kind of came over the top, hit it, and it ended up in the middle of the green and sucked back like six feet. And if it didn't hit like his pitch mark, it probably would have sucked back all the way to the front of the green, spun back Mm -hmm. to the front of the green. So... That um, is another thing we're talking about with kind of controlling your wedges and, once again, kind of just trying to have that clock system, whatever it is you do to hit those go-to shots. Corey, uh, add it to your bag or two. um, Kind of know when to hit it, whether it's a wedge swing with an 8-iron or whatever. Corey Ward. Corey Ward's probably one of the better ball strikers I've ever played with. Unfortunately, he can't. He doesn't play anymore. But he told me he had the clock system up to seven iron. Like he had those yardages dialed, and he he said he hit nine o'clock nine irons all the time. Like that was like one of his go-to shots. Like whatever that yardage was, he said he's like I don't hit full. Like he rarely hits full. Uh, Iron shots, but at the same time, he also hit the ball really high back in high school and college. But, I mean, that, that dude was nasty, you know. And, uh, I don't know, it's just like you learn so much from, from great ball strikers and, like, what they could do with, with each club instead of just having, like, one or two yardages they have. They can yeah. hit it wherever and whenever. Corey is definitely a good ball striker, too. I'll tell you what, at Meadowlinks, back in the day when we were having, like, the Hamilton County City Championship <laughs> and back in July and whatnot, I remember, like, this was when we were, like, 10, 11, 12. I just started playing golf. And I was kind of, like, 
slowly, progressively getting good. When I first mm. came out there, my first golf tournament was actually with Corey. Um, wow. I think he, he won it and shot like 65 or 66, and he blew the field did. out. It was the Ron Petty at Fairfield. I was paired with him. He shoots 60-something, and I think I finished like bottom of the barrel, and I shot like 95 maybe. And <laughs> so anyways, fast forward to a couple years. We're at Meadowlinks. I'm getting a little bit better. Like I'm probably shooting around 80, really learning how to hit the golf ball. Halfway decent now. And even the metal links, right? They have like walls separating every other bay. Mm -hmm. So you can't see who's hitting like in the stalls next to you. But like I hear Corey or I see Corey say what's up to him. And he's like two or three stalls down. And all I hear is whack, whack, whack. Like this perfect sounding golf shot. And it's like, God, man, he's not hitting the mat at all. Like, He's just, yeah, he was super shallow. He, yeah, he's making contact and he's making like dollar bill divots. He told he me, he told me that he played he played everything off of his left heel. This is such a weird Corey Ward rant, but maybe some some people have heard of him. But he told me one time because like we practiced a little bit in college and we got closer in college when we were in high school because we hated each other in high school. But we were practicing one day and. Uh, you know, I was working on some stuff, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, you know you're supposed to play everything off your left heel, right? And I was just like, what? He's like, yeah, you play everything off your left heel. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't think that's right. Like, you know, people play, like, their short irons in the middle, wedges a little further back. He's like, nope, everything off your left heel. He was so confident with what he does in his game. That anything you told him, you were wrong, and that Dude. Like, it's like kind of I have to be, you know what I'm saying? Like you have yeah. to be like all in with what you're doing. And he, dude, I think that's what made him like such a great ball striker because he was just like, because when it came to putting, he'd ask me like random questions about about like how to putt or like not how to putt, but what I do with certain things. And he wasn't that way with his putting, but. His ball striking and chipping, like, if you told him to do anything different, he would tell you you're wrong. It was pretty wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that was Corey to a T, man. And <laughs> I got I, – I didn't learn it firsthand, but my brother played golf with him for two years. Oh, that's right. Yeah. At Xavier. Yeah, just two years. Um, and I got I got a few Corey stories from him. But, dude – I remember one time, I, this is a good Corey Ward story, just talking about the excellence of his ball striking. He, yes, he was a streaky putter, but or he, But I, we played the USM one year, and the guy we were supposed to – he dropped out, out for the second hole, so he had a bad back. It was um, – Daniel Belden from Akron, a good player himself. So we had a good grouping too. So he bows out, walks up three, and he's like, guys, good luck. See you later. So it's me and Corey today. And we both – The first round, like he didn't pull – Two over. And I was one under. Oh, uh, I think I know where this story is going. Uh-huh. 
And <laughs> yeah, this dude just lights it up. Early in the morning still, but I don't remember exactly what he did, but we can probably look up the scorecard. He shot like 29 on one of the sides. We teed off on the back and he shot 29. And He shot either 61 or 63, I'm pretty sure. He shot 61. He shot nine under that day. He tied the course record, or I think Robert Gerwin maybe shot 60, but it was like the unofficial course record. So, like, Mm -hmm. they gave him the official one or something, or he tied the official. But that dude just freaking went off. He got that hot putter, and he made the the right putts whenever he was 20 feet away, 15, 25 feet away, and, like, he was – and I was feeding off this dude, too. I was like, man, like, I think I finished at one under on that first nine. I'm for my second 18 as well. I was like, man, this is freaking awesome. Like, I, I think I ended up shooting, like, 39 or 40 on the back nine and missed qualifying by a couple shots. But it was just so cool to watch that. And just, once again, him putting on a clinic with his ball striking such a such a good ball striker, the golf ball. And I'll tell you what, I know he, he has a tricky injury. He's been really working on for the last 10 years and trying to figure out. And I don't know the status of his golf game. I know you said he's not playing rarely at all right now. But that's another thing I would like to see healthy, playing uh, good golf. Man. I, always, I always tell people he's like – the top three player I've ever played with, and I don't know. But then I'll just I'm gonna finish one more story about him, just on a lighter note, because we were playing. Me, him, and Dorn were playing in an AJGA together in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, and I think Corey was in the final group. Dorn was in like the second to last group, and I was like in the fourth or fifth group. But I think Dorn actually came like top five. I don't know. It was, a good, it was a good showing for Cincinnati. I was like top 15. Corey was top 10. Dorm was top five. But anyway, um, <laughs> there was a rain delay. And me, Dorn, and Corey, you know, come in. We were just like talking about our rounds and talking about how we were playing. And Corey's like, oh, I snapped my putter in half. And we're like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes, I fucking snapped my putter in half and flicked off the sky. And, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get DQ'd. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the clubhouse and like all these AJGA guys come up to him just basically going like are you Corey Ward and he's like yeah and like nothing's really happening and then finally one comes up to him and goes hey man like one of the you know the scores that would like walk around with the signs yeah yeah he's like the the kid said that like you snapped your putter in half and and flicked off the sky and said fuck you so like we're gonna have to like give you a two-stroke penalty and he goes oh i'm not dq'd and the guy goes no you're not he goes oh okay perfect and so then we go back out and he plays the rest of the rest wet like putting with his wedge or nine iron or something like that and he comes up to me right before he signs the scorecard and goes put my last eight holes one under par with this nine iron <laughs> i didn't i didn't even need my putter and just like, kept walking and i'm like oh my god this guy <laughs> Corey fucking Ward, man. Un- unbelievable. Char- just a character. Mm-hmm. Also gave himself a concussion in, the golf- in a college golf tournament, but that's... That's one of the stories that I had in my back pocket. Yeah. 
Or he like did. Austin? <laughs> no, he won. He won the tournament. He, thought thought he lost it, or like gave up a big lead on like sixteen or seventeen. No, on, like, on the sixteenth hole, he three putted and took took the ball and like slammed it against his head like five times. <laughs> goodness. <laughs> and proceeded to finish off like par par, and he won. And yeah, then it was comes Marshall, back. Marshall's tournament, like 20, 2013. Yeah, that was Matt's freshman year in his first tournament. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. He was like, "Well, first college tournament, Corey Ward gives himself a, gives himself a concussion." <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Like, I remember like following him or following Xavier, and I was just like, "Why is Corey not playing? What happened?" He's out for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's. that's that's unreal. If you guys don't know Corey Ward, the guy was a complete legend in, in the golf world and won two state titles, played for Xavier four years, just all-around great player. But anyway, let's finish off with some would-you-rathers. All right. Would you rather hole out on – Number 18 for an albatross at Pebble Beach or hole in one on number seven? Uh, give me an albatross. That, that hole's so sick. Seven is just like, like fine. Like I understand it's like an iconic hole, but I was just, uh, you know, I've never been like too crazy about that hole. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. What okay. about you? Um, I'd rather get a hole in one on seven. I'm just gonna counter you today. I don't really. I'm indifferent, but I I want to counter you. So <laughs> I mean, I get it. I almost, I almost. Said and I want to even out my hole in ones. So I I want to even out my hole in one ratio. Um, my albatross hole in one ratio. I want to make it two two. So uh, so you get two albatross. I mean, I, it'd be pretty cool to say. Uh, that you got a hole in one at Pebble Beach too, so I'm kind of on the fence about that. My dad almost got an ace yesterday at Spanish Bay. Nice. I think it was the 12th hole. Hit it behind the flag, sucked it back, and it lipped out. That was oh, pretty man. cool. Um, That's sick. Yeah. I know you haven't played either, but would you rather play Pinehurst number two or Pebble Beach? Uh, probably Pebble, but Pinehurst is up there. Okay. Because of the scenery, man. I, I get that totally. Yeah. It's just I like, am it's probably kind of, the same way, to be honest with you. This is kind of what we talked about last week, though. Like, when you when you think golf, you think of, like, Augusta or Pebble Beach. You don't really think Pinehurst. Unless, like, you know, you're in the golf world. Yeah. It's – yeah, once you dive into golf and golf history, Pinehurst becomes a lot more – uh, it's enshrined there. and emboldened. So I would say I'm with you on Pebble Beach. But let me flip it. Would you rather play Bandon Dunes or Pacific Dunes, one of the courses out there, or Pebble Beach? Pebble Beach. I don't really care. You know, it's like I'm gonna play. If I'm gonna play a famous course, I'm gonna play the most famous course. You know. Yeah, everyone knows Pebble Beach when I've been telling them I'm out here, I'm going out here. So, 
All right, I have a <clears throat> this isn't a would you rather, but who do you have uh win the NCAA tournament? I haven't been following basketball that much, man. I am so <laughs> out of the loop. I don't even know if I'm gonna fill out a bracket to be honest with you. Dude, this is I the haven't most out of touch I've been because UC's not doing well. Xavier didn't yeah. make the tournament. Ohio State's like eh. seven seed. Yeah. yeah. So like no this is the first time like an Ohio basketball team hasn't really There was like kinda... five in the tournament like three years ago. Yeah. You remember when there were like all those Mac schools in Ohio basketball teams? I forget what year it was, but it was like ten years ago or something. <clears throat> uh, no, I think that was more recent. There were like nine or ten. Yeah. Within like, like hundred miles of Ohio. Or of Cincinnati. I think that was 2018, but uh, I've n- I've never been so out of touch with it either, man. It's it's weird because it's usually something I follow the most, and I listen to a podcast called Titus and Tate about it, and it's a really good one to listen to. But um, but I just like ha- like Duke has their thing with Coach K, like his last season. I don't know. There's really just nothing that's like kind of draw me in. But okay, well, that's trying... my team then. Duke, Duke? because they're an hour oh, away from Pinehurst. No. And uh, I would like to end on a good note. Yeah. I'm a Tar Heel fan, but I'm not that much invested in UNC Chapel Hill that I'm like, oh, think, fuck Duke, you know? I, I think Tar Heel fans are just going to be like, hey, man, don't ever talk about us again after that comment. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I know you don't, but it's funny. It's uh-huh. like saying, like, like you're gonna root for the Steelers after the Bengals are didn't have a good season. You know, to be honest with you, I'm starting to get to the point in my life where I would rather see my opponent be at their best. So I'd rather see the Bengals and Steelers playing in the AFC championship game than any other team, or the Bengals and Browns, or the Bengals and Ravens, because one, that means like they're one of your closest rivals. And two, they're doing just as good as you are. I so, mean, I, I agree, but they better not fucking lose. Yeah, yeah, because when you lose, like... Did you see, those you see are the, the Steelers ones. got Mitch Trubisky? I did briefly, but I saw the Bengals are protecting Joey B. Yeah, I think Mitch is actually going to do pretty well in Pittsburgh. Probably. I think, yeah, yeah. And I think is uh, Ben going to be a quarterback coach? <clears throat> no, it's, I don't think, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll take some time. I can off, see Roethlisberger but... being a, being like a QB coach. Really he, like a special assistant. he might see he a lot of but dude, I think, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think the Browns are going to get Deshaun Watson. Baker's gonna get traded. I think they're gonna trade Baker and some picks for Deshaun. What a surprise, man! And that would make our division so good that it makes me yeah. sick. Most definitely. <laughs> Luckily, the, the Bengals have the, the yeah, but they're getting rid of all the guys. You see that? I did. 
Oh, I don't they know why. They just traded Suarez, Winker, Sonny Gray. Like, another rebuild year. I feel so bad for Joe, Joey Votto. Like, that dude. That dude could have gone to the Yankees and just won games, and he just got. I know he loves Cincinnati, but, man, he's one of my favorite players of all time. But it's just like, dude, you could have won something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. But I'm excited for all the stuff going on, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll NBA see how the guys getting do. Good. Three people don't make one team, though, so. Hopefully, um, it doesn't affect yeah, too much, and the guys just, that fill those spots are the next man up, ready to go. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Are you following the NBA at all or no? Not really. Celtics, <clears throat> I, I know you said they were hot, but I haven't followed them since. Probably top, <clears throat> the top four team in the, in the East, like without I, – I don't know. I think they're better than Chicago, but – the Lakers are 10 games under 500, which is just comical. Yeah. Are you, I LeBron, did see are that. you a LeBron guy? I'm indifferent. Yeah. Okay. I don't really like hate him like some people do. I, don't, I like him. I mean, he's all right. I know he does. He kind of, he'll say some things sometimes where it's like SMH, like, why are you even like joining on this nonsense? That mm-hmm. uh, people are kind of antagonizing, or yeah, antag- antagonizing you to do, kind of like egging you on. Like, yeah, Trump's Trump. Like, I get it; he's obnoxious, but you don't need to voice your opinion about everything. Just to be honest, like, I would like to see a lot more people just keep their comments to themselves. But that. just in general, too, like a holistic world standpoint. Yeah, not everyone but, needs to know where you stand on every political, <laughs> political whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times you're not gonna do like be so like hard headed on both parties that you're not gonna get anywhere. Like if there's no openness to discussion, like. And, like, the first thing that comes to mind with where you close any openness you could have the conversation like that, you just, you, um, it, ju- it just becomes so hard to communicate and talk to them. And it's just a screaming match at one point. It usually comes down to being a screaming match. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I used to be a huge, like, huge LeBron guy. And then, like, as his career went on, I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. You're saying this. You're complaining about everything on the court. It's tough to watch. I mean, he's so good. And he's, I think he's the second best player ever. And a lot of people think that's, like, a huge detriment. But it's like, hey, man, what are you talking about? He's the second best player of all time. Yeah, look at his accomplishments, his work ethic. Don't look. Don't look at like what he says and does off the court first. Yeah, exactly. That's what I try to do because I mean he is a person like we talk about. I'm David Wetterick. I play golf. I'm not a golfer. Like I try to just you know what I mean. Yeah, I feel you. 
All right. Well, I'm gonna let you uh, let you go and enjoy your day. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Um, yeah, man. Good talking to you. Good morning yeah, talk too. for both of us. Um, we're like both in the same podcasts. Pacific time zone. I do too. Uh, we'll stick with them for sure. But uh, yeah, let's let's wrap it up for sure. We'll, we'll pick up some more conversations next week and uh, have some good shit to talk about. I'll tell you yeah. more about Pebble afterwards, too. I'm only halfway through this trip, so. Oh, yeah, man. And once I have some time to really decompress and I'm not in a cafe with a little bit of noise distracting me, I'll, I'll really just be able to pinpoint and kind of hone in on exactly what I want to highlight for talking about this trip and whatnot. So yeah. this is definitely been a, uh, a lifetime a experience of a lifetime for sure. And I highly recommend anyone go at least once. Yeah. Even if you're not a golfer, just go see this part of the world. Monterey is amazing. Monterey is cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, like, share, subscribe, follow our platforms on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. David Wetterick Golf, or David Wetterick is my Instagram handle um, and my Twitter handle as well. I want to really start moving over to Twitter, and I'll talk about that next week probably. Um, and then Dreamcatcher Golf Cub on Instagram and YouTube. And uh, Mike, you can scurry off or spit out your TikTok and other <laughs> social media information. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter is all at Mike Wolf Golf. Um, follow, follow our podcast page, Traveling Athlete. Been really lazy about posting, but I'm going to get back on it. Don't worry. Um, it's fine, man. Life happens, anyways. I just want to get that out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's not you know. I just need to get more on top of it, but we're gonna be posting more. Please DM uh, or comment on any videos of like if you guys want to hear something specific about us or what, what you guys want us to talk about, whatever. So, so yeah, let's get out of here. All right, brother. All right, Have man, yourself enjoy. a good day as well. Yeah, you too, bro. I'll talk to you later. All right. Everyone, enjoy their days and nights as well, too. Thanks for listening. All right, man. See ya. We got to do it again, dude. Look the lens cap on.